So remember Ellie Kemper, who was crowned the Queen of Love and Beauty at the Veiled Prophet Ball in 1999. Remember the organization based in Missouri, founded in 1878. Well, it was, uh, she might as well have been partying with the KKK. And this happened when she was 19 years old. And I told you she would apologize. Well, here it is on her Instagram account. Isn't that special? Hi, guys. When I was 19 years old, I decided to participate in a debutante ball in my hometown. The century-old organization that hosted the debutante ball had an unquestionably racist, sexist, and elitist past. I was not aware of this history at the time, but ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. Ugh, agonizing. But I told you that she would apologize, and that's why it was so difficult to be on her side when being attacked, because as Pat Gray is fond of saying, he loves it when the left eat their own. And I am starting to come to his side of the table, I'll tell you that. It is agonizing, but you knew it was going to happen. So good for her because she recognized her excuses. She went on to say, I unequivocally deplore, denounce, and reject white supremacy. At the time, I at the same time, I acknowledge that because of my race and my privilege, I am the beneficiary of a system that has dispensed unequal justice and unequal rewards. There is a very natural temptation when you become the subject of internet criticism to tell yourself that your detractors are getting it all wrong. But at some point last week, I realized that a lot of the forces behind the criticism are the forces that I've spent my life supporting and agreeing with. Uh-huh, that's what we said. I want to apologize to the people I've disappointed, and I promise that moving forward, I will listen continue to educate myself, and use my privilege in support of the better society I think we're capable of becoming. Thanks for reading this. Oh no, Ellie Kemper, thanks for writing this and feeling this because that makes me feel that much better. How about you? Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> We still have to worry about COVID and other, you know, I guess the flu has disappeared. There's no such thing as the flu anymore. But Michigan has confirmed its first human case of Hantavirus or Hantavirus or whatever the heck they call it. Hantavirus. Yeah, that's what I said. Hantavirus. Yeah, Hantavirus. So Michigan has confirmed its first uh, human case. It's a disease that is uh, spread by rodents. Now, according to this, no documented person-to-person -person cases in the U.S. So the Sinombre Hantavirus in the state is an illness spread by rodents, but not between individuals. Oh, okay. So if you have a pet rat, get it tested. <laughs> it's a pulmonary syndrome in ill patients in the southwest United States in 1993. HPS has since infected people throughout the U.S. and the Americas. So, okay. 
I guess it's just if you come in contact with infected rodents, you are going to get hantavirus. So good luck. God bless. They become, uh, listen, I don't know how, how you take care of your pet rats, but humans become infected when freshly dried materials contaminated by rodent excretia are disturbed and inhaled. So then it breaks into the skin or on mucous membranes and uh, when ingesting the contaminated food or water, bites from rodents can also transmit hantavirus. The highest risk of exposure takes place when entering or cleaning rodent-infested structures. So when you're cleaning your pet rat's home, be careful and I know, let's put on a mask. And if you live in India, you may be wearing a mask as we speak because I know that the COVID wave is starting to settle down, I guess, we are told. But they also have this thing called black fungus. (laughs) There are thousands of cases, tens of thousands of cases in India, black fungus. Oh man, no thank you. It's an an infection and it infests the sinuses and bones of the face and invade the brain or cause patients to lose an eye when it goes untreated. It's the treatment is prolonged and difficult. Uh, mucomorcosis can kill up to half of those who contract it. Uh, is black fungus. Mucormycosis. Yeah, that's what I said. Mucormycosis. My gosh, I don't know why you keep saying it. That's what I said. It's black fungus for gosh sakes. Apparently the government has allocated uh, more vials, 30, 000, over 30,000 new vials of this m B, which is supposed to help combat black fungus infection. So just something else to think about. That's all. And, you know, let's just be safe and we'll wear a mask. Okay? Okay, good. So I saw the headline, Texas mom gets arrested uh, at her daughter's high school and she's 30. And I thought, oh boy, here we go again. Somebody wants to be a teenager all over again. Well, not really. She did this to prove that security at the school needed to be a lot tighter. Her goal of breaching the school uh, actually came to fruition. Now, she was arrested at the end of the day and charged with suspicion of criminal trespassing and tampering with government records. Okay, Okay, stop it. Now, she spent almost the entire day at the school and recorded it. She slipped into the unnamed school in San Elizario and she dressed as a teen. She had a hoodie, a backpack, and a face mask. And she wanted to prove her point that security was relaxed. And she posted videos on YouTube. And there's another, you know, there's, there's videos that you can that you can see and go and look at. Uh, I may actually try to reach out to her and talk to her because I love this stunt because she was incredible proving that the insecurity needs to be better. Her one video says, I've been here all day, face to face with teachers. Do I look like a seventh grader? It wasn't even high school. Her daughter's a seventh grader. No? Cool. Awesome. 
The video shows her going through the school hallway with her high-top sneakers, at one point greeting the principal, who appears to have no idea she's a grown woman. At other points, she sits in classrooms, eats her lunch in the cafeteria, talks to other faculty members, and for most of the day, nothing. She was, in fact, scolded by a teacher for having her phone out. (laughs) And then later, she was caught and confronted and arrested. And now she's saying, you know, hey, uh, hello, Uh, I did this to prove your security is lax, and it was. How about we keep, we upgrade it a little bit? And she's being held on bond of $7,908. Now, I don't know if she's still in jail or still being held there, but that's ridiculous. And I hope there's attorneys out there that will help Mrs. Garcia out or Ms. Garcia or them Garcia. However she identifies, Uh, Casey Garcia, 30. That was, uh, was a good stunt. That was a good stunt. And she proved her point. She proved her point. And there's video to prove that she wasn't there to harm anyone. She wasn't there to uh, make a huge monster deal of it. Well, that's not true. She was there to prove that security is laxed. And that's the safety of her daughter and all the children there. The other parents should be outraged that this could happen. I mean, how a mother... I mean, maybe you get by for the first class, but the teacher doesn't say, you know, you really uh, don't look like Julie Garcia, the seventh grader that has my class. Nope. She just takes the classes. I mean, that's embarrassing for the school, for the teachers. No wonder they want to keep her under lock and key and uh, charge her with, uh, what what did they arrest her on again? They gave her a suspicion of criminal trespassing and tampering with government records. I'd like to know what that is. That means that she may be signed into the school as her daughter. Stop it. That's agonizing. You should apologize and say, thank you for the help on our security. And we'll definitely tighten security. That's embarrassing for that school. Casey Garcia. Great job. Great job. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing this summer? You uh, still working from home? Or are you going to go on a little vacation? You're going to spend a little bit more time, you know, outdoors, enjoying the warmer weather. Uh, I am because soon here where I live, it's going to be the fires of, well, you know, down there. And uh, you can count on that because it's just around the corner. You can just start feeling that heat in the air here in Texas. But either way. I'm going to want to listen to my favorite music, my favorite shows, or my favorite YouTube channels like my own. And I want to use my Raycons. I'm telling you, you want to take your Raycons. We fight over the Raycons here in my house now. Uh, My daughter loves them. And uh, my son is like, yeah, I like them, but she always has them. I know. I want them. I have to ask for them when I want to use them. It's agonizing. So, you know, when you use the pair of Raycon wireless earbuds, you realize what difference it makes in your ears. It's incredible. They're so comfortable. They are so small and sound so great. You get the crisp, powerful beats at half the price of other premium auto brands. Raycons, they look great. They feel better. They come in a range of colors, customizable gel tips, and they are built to go wherever you go. Quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing 
and a compact charging case. And I will say this, that battery life lasts a long time. I, I, I can't remember, you know, I, I, I set them down and I don't ever think about charging them. Apparently my daughter does. She has to, but I don't know when that is. All I know is when I put them in, they are always working. I love my Raycons. So here you go. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for all of you chewing the fat listeners right now. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. Buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com, dot C-O-M, slash, S-L-A-S-H, Jeffy, J-E-F-F-Y. Buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. Then you're going to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. That, I mean, you're welcome. That's that's such a good deal. You're going to want to grab maybe a couple. Uh, I know I'm going to absolutely, uh, I'm just going to probably just ask for another pair for Father's Day. That way we have multiple pairs in the house so I don't have to fight over them anymore. Uh, Buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. So buy a, you know what? That's, that's what you need to do. Just tell yourself, grab a pair and a spare when you go to buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. Buy raycon.com slash jeffy so have you seen those stories every I, I should rephrase that you've seen the stories where you get uh you know they say you've got unclaimed money waiting for you and you always think oh that's some kind of scam because it just feels too good or you get an email saying we've found money you haven't claimed in pennsylvania i wasn't haven't been in pennsylvania for 10 years yeah you forgot you didn't claim it. Okay. Well, this Oregon woman who died January 2020. All right. She was, she died in a warming shelter, uh, in Astoria. And I guess she's been dealing with drug and mental health issues. And her dad apparently said in a TV interview that it just didn't make any sense. Well, what didn't make any sense was, is that she died and had $884,000 in inheritance money just sitting in an estate bank account. Oh, wait, what? Uh, yeah. So, you know, she's was homeless. Obviously she grew up in Portland and, uh, her mother died in 2016. Representatives of the estate tried to locate the daughter. Newspaper ads went unanswered and a private investigator couldn't locate her. You couldn't, a private investigator couldn't locate this homeless person. What kind of private investigator are you? So her unclaimed money was transferred to the Department of State Lands. And in total, she was owed, like I said, $884,407. And they, they said, you know, this is a unique case. We sympathize with the family. Um, there really isn't much more that the state could do. So we're sorry. And now... Uh, they're saying, we don't know what happens to the money. I guess she has two children. So, and there's others that potentially could have claims on the cash. So I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but, uh, a few years ago, I fell in love with a Kathy Boone and, uh, we got married. Yeah, we were married. And then she ran away and I never could find her. So we're still married. And I'm very sorry that she passed away in January of 2020, but the $884,000 is uh, now mine. I'm her husband. (laughs) 
I mean, they better give it to the kids, right? Come on. She's got two biological children. Hello. The money is theirs. And how it's been a year and a half since they couldn't find her. And I mean, it's been a year and a half since she passed away. It's been longer than that since they have tried to find her since 2016 and they couldn't find her. How is it possible that these biological children haven't said, um, you know what? Mom is, we don't know where she is and that money belongs to us. Uh, we'll, you know what we'll do? We'll take half and we'll put it in a trust fund just in case she turns up because we love her. But the other $440,000, that's ours. And that's just the way it is because we don't know what's going to happen and we need to live our lives. I mean, how that happens, somebody needs to get a good attorney and make that happen. That is agonizing that ha that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, again, I, I'm remembering that wedding I had. <laughs> I can't find the paperwork right now. But man, when I find that paperwork, you're going to, you're going to see it. <laughs> All right, let's go to the break room. Man, I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh my goodness. Oh, go ahead. Tell me that doesn't sound good. You know okay. Did you see where Anthony Weiner, I guess he's starting to hurt for a little bit of cash. He's having a tough time making a living these days. He's looking to uh, sell his infamous crotch shot as an NFT, a non-fungible token. Uh, he's considering a new career in political collectibles, starting with the infamous crotch shot that cost him his seat in Congress. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, that... that... <laughs> Uh, you know, why not? Look, the guy has got to make a living, right? He's got to be able to feed, well, at least himself. So remember he, you know, accidentally tweeted in 2011 and that's what, uh, that's what got him in trouble, right? Then the FBI, then, he, then they had the laptop seized by the FBI during the probe that sent him to prison in 2017 for sexting with an underage girl. Um, you know, he, I, I, I will never forget him in a television interview where he was being questioned about the crotch shot pick. And he's like, Oh, I wish that was me <laughs> knowing all the time that it was him. I mean, just embarrassing. And look, He's got to make some money, right? He said cashing in would be nice. He's 56 now and he's looking to try to sell some stuff and make some cash. He said that he was never going to run uh, again. He said he'd be a really good campaign manager. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, he knows that his notoriety is uh, shot. So he said in an interview, he's given some candidates informal advice, but he said, I don't want to talk which ones because it would hurt them. So he knows that everybody thinks and rightfully so that he is a, you know, he's a douchebag, but he's, I guess now he is leaving this ice stone, which is he's in the process. That's where he works. And he's in the process of converting that 
company into a worker-run cooperative. So since he has to register as a level one sex offender, that apparently makes it difficult for him to find another job. Huh, go figure. So uh, he is looking to maybe write a book about sex addiction to help others like him. And uh, he has an agent shopping that proposal. And he's also in a 12-step program for his addiction. But one of the rules is he can't talk about it. So, okay, we'll believe you that you're in the program, Anthony. No problem. But why shop the deal? Uh, just write the book and then shop the deal. You got the book? Let's go. Let's print it. Uh, in worst case, he self-publishes. And, uh, you know, get the let's get the Anthony Weiner story out there. We already know most of it. That documentary was just incredible. That whole time, him coming back and the wife and the kids and that whole time, he's still busy, you know, Carlos dangering. Just amazing. So it'd be an incredible story if he was truthful in the book. Uh, if he was truthful, I would love to talk to Anthony Weiner about his life and what he did. Anthony, you have an open invitation to chewing the fat. In fact, I wanted to make uh, one of the... <laughs> he won't like this, so maybe I don't tell him that. But I really wanted to, when he went to prison, start sending him uh, love letters. And hopefully he would respond. I wanted him to respond to me as, uh, as you know, Anthony Weiner or Carlos Danger or whoever the hell he wanted to respond to me as. And then I could turn that into a book. I thought it was a pretty good idea at the time. And then I, I, well, I wrote all kinds of letters and he never returned my, my mail. That's not true. Cause he had said at one point that he was looking forward to reading everyone's mail. And I thought, man, if he returns, if he sends return mail, uh, I would love to be able to capitalize on that and print those, you know, my, my love affair with Anthony Weiner in prison. Come on now. That's a million dollar idea. You're welcome. Although it didn't happen. So is there ever a time when you think to yourself, you know, maybe I need to kill the bald eagle. <laughs> so I'm just asking a question now. I, I'm not, I'm not saying I would or ever would, or anyone should. Okay. Let's be clear about that. So an Idaho farmer has discovered that he has, uh, he has eagles attacking his lambs on his farm. So he's never had a problem. He's lived, had been farming there for 20 years. He has now discovered that uh, these eagles have killed 54 of his lambs over the past several weeks. So these series of attacks started in April and they lasted until May. And uh, I guess they still worried that they're going to start happening. Although when you read the story, I think it was because they were needing to feed the babies. All right, so he found his sheep dead with puncture wounds and thought someone either shot them or another animal had pecked the corpse. But then he caught one of the eagles in the act as he was tending to his flock. And the eagle swoops, swoops down, lands on the back of the lamb and just starts, you know, nailing it with puncture wounds. And Although he said the eagle didn't carry off the lamb, but who knows? I mean, he, you know, he's taking big hunks of flesh out of the lamb. And he's reached out to the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. And, uh, okay, he's reached out to the Idaho Department of Fish and Game and, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, who sent an officer to visit the farm. Wasn't that nice of them? 
since he reached out to them, they've decided to send an officer out to the farm. So special. So he said uh, the eagle's nest remains on his property and the eagles, you know, still kind of pose a threat to his livestock. And he could have obtained what he calls a hazing permit that allows him to make noise and scare off the eagles. But he didn't want to do that because he noticed the female eagle had laid eggs and the eggs wouldn't have hatched. And then you'd be affecting the next crop of bald eagles. So now he says the eggs have hatched and he still doesn't want to disturb the nest because it would bother and possibly starve the eaglets. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say that that's why the eagles are attacking the lambs. They are feeding the babies, right? So I know they go on to say that, you know, yeah, he could, you know, a criminal violation could result in up to two years in prison and a $250,000 fine with the bald and golden eagle protection act. Well, he knows that. I mean, he's just, that's what he's contacting them for. I mean, he could have just killed him and buried him and been done with it, which I would, you know, I'm not saying that anyone should do that, but if one were to, you know, take care of that out on your farm in the middle of Idaho and then just bury them and burn them or whatever and say, yeah, yeah, the nest was up there and I don't know what happened. All of a sudden it's just gone. So, whew, man, sucks to be them. Plus, he said that uh, they usually feed on uh, fish from a nearby lake, this uh, carp fish that's in the lake. But he said they had a cold spring. So there's less carp in the lake this year. Huh. So, uh, you know, he's just he's just worried about his lambs. And uh, he's, you know, the story is he, st- he loves the eagles, really. You read the story. He doesn't want to do anything against the eagles. He's just telling the story and wanting someone to figure it out. I mean, maybe uh, send a couple of lambs to the slaughter, (laughs) right? Uh, You build a little structure out there for them to be under while they're grazing, and you send a couple of the little ones out over there in that field with a big arrow that says, hey, bald eagle, feed your kids on these. I mean, he's lost 54, 54 lambs. Over the past few weeks to these eagles, those are some eaten eagles, man. That's a, you can quote me on that. Those are some eaten eagles. All right, one more animal story for today. Uh, the oldest male chimpanzee in the U.S. has died at the San Francisco Zoo. His uh, name was uh, Kabi. And he was hand-reared performing chimpanzee for years before he was brought to the San Francisco Zoo in the 60s. And he has a fascinating life. There's they there's about 100 to 200,000 chimpanzees living in the wild. Okay. So they live about 33 years in the wild and 50 to 60 years under human care at zoos. So I guess, you know, this particular chimp was integral in bringing together the chimpanzee population at the zoo. He was the elder chimp and he was like, I've been with the humans. Really, this is the Caesar of the apes. You've seen the documentaries. Uh, There's a three or four part series. Uh, on Caesar and the Planet of the Apes. But uh, I was thinking about maybe I need to do a retrospective on Kabi and, uh, you know, maybe do that uh, during uh, my Chewing the Fat segment 
on uh, Pat tomorrow. I've been, I've been doing uh, Pat Unleashed all week and uh, having a lot of fun. It's great. Be sure to tune in. It's on Blaze Television and Radio uh, weekday mornings, 7 to 9 Eastern. And you can also download that podcast as well. But we have a great time on the show. And tomorrow is specifically, you know, chewing the fat day. And so I was thinking about maybe just doing a retrospective on Kabi or Kobe or whatever the hell that damn chip's name is. It is Kabi, right? Because he had a TV show. He had a TV show in Australia. Kabi is funny and lots of fun. Always finding some. This is the 1960s in Adelaide, South Australia. Each day I would rush home from school to watch a comedy show called Cobby's Hobbies. Cobby, what's your hobby today? Cobby's Hobbies was only shown in Adelaide for a year, so no one ever knew it. When I started the search for Cobby, it was all about chasing a childhood memory. All right, so Cobby, I mean, he has on television show and this lady is doing a little story on her uh, uh, film. And uh, so, I, I mean, I, Kind of cool. Uh, it's worth a retro, I think. Uh, I think it's worth a, a retro. So uh, maybe we'll do that tomorrow on Pat Unleashed. The retro on Kabi the Chimpanzee. Dead. <laughs> Kabi the oldest chimpanzee in North American zoos. Dead at the age of 63. <laughs> Can we have a release date on Ozark season four, please? I mean, we have the possibility that, yeah, it's probably going to be released this year. We don't know when it's going to be released. It won't be releasing anytime soon. Are we, are we just keeping it as a surprise? And then we're all of a sudden we're just going to pop up with up oh, season four is going to release next month. And then we'll just have a big promotional push towards season four on Netflix because I mean, it's the final season. So let's get to it. Uh, Jason, I know you're, you know, you're busy and I know the pandemic put you a little bit behind the eight ball, but let's pick up the pace and uh, let's get going. Cause we need season four of Ozark soon. Uh, season three was tremendous. They all were really good. I know there were a few episodes in every season of Ozark, which is like, you know, building block episodes where they're kind of. I don't want to use the word boring, but boring. And, uh, but you make it through because you know, there are building blocks for later down the road. And that's, you know, I love it. And Jason Bateman has been great in Ozark. And if you're not familiar with it, now's the time to get familiar with it because you just, just binge it and sit through it. It's tremendous. And the end of season three was a fantastic. So, and if you're not familiar, I mean, it's about Marty and his wife, Darlene and the son, Jacob, they uproot their whole life because he's a money launderer for the the mob and the cartels and they move to Missouri and he talks his way out of, uh, out of getting killed. And then he gets in business with the even deeper with the cartels and he gets in business with drug ring in Missouri and you know, and it goes from there and it's, it's really, really a, a, an interesting ride, and it's been great. And it's called Ozark, if you're not familiar, on Netflix. And Jason Bateman is the man. 
that's his baby. And so season four is it. It's over. Goodbye. Have a nice day. So let's get to it. Let's announce it. Let's get it up. Let's go. I've got things to do, people to see, places to go. And I don't want to have to rearrange any of my schedules around Ozark. <laughs> All right. All right. Good. You know, Netflix, just email me, uh, chewing the fat at the blaze.com or call me uh, anytime. I'll take your call. You know, the ID pops up Netflix. I'll answer it. All right. I promise I won't send it right to voicemail. <laughs> I promise. You know, you can, you can direct message me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR. You can message me on Facebook or Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. Uh, I guess you can try Parlor, but really, who uses Parlor anymore? And uh, so I'd rather prefer, you know, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And I really just prefer a call. <laughs> you know, have it come up Netflix, and I'll take the call, and we'll we'll make this happen, okay? And I see where uh, Susan Sarandon and uh, Gina Davis are making the uh, making the rounds again because they're set up for a big special screening and a question and answer session with fans to celebrate the 30th, wow, 30 years, 30th anniversary of Thelma and Louise. And that's incredible. Oscar-winning movie from 1991. And Ridley Scott directed it. Wow, I've forgotten that Ridley Scott directed that movie. And there was the screen appearance by Brad Pitt, who plays the, you know, the sexy thief. I mean, okay, okay, come on. It'll be interesting to uh, see what they have to say about the movie. And they both look, well, great 30 years later. Gina looks, sure. And uh, Susan, you all know what Susan looks like. And they're, you know, I'm sure that they're both agonizing in real life. I mean, in fact, I know that they are. But uh, they're going to sit down to a question and answer session about the movie at uh, Los Angeles's uh, Greek theater. And it's going to uh, be in conjunction with Cinespia's drive-in bosses. And also it's going to be part of uh, Gina Davis's uh, Institute on Gender in Media and the LA Regional Food Bank. So be kind of cool to hear what they have to say about the movie. And, you know, look, Susan Sarandon, they've both been our huge stars in Sarandon. She's still working. And, uh, you know, she was great in What's-His-Face's show on Showtime. Ray Donovan. You remember. You remember Ray Donovan. She was great. She played this uh, rich movie mogul money. I mean, she, she helped Ray through some, uh, through some tough times. <laughs> if you haven't seen Ray Donovan, oh my gosh, there's another series that needs to be, needs to, is well worth the watch. What's his face? Liv Schreiber is Ray Donovan and it's a tremendous series. I mean, there's 82 episodes to get through. It's fantastic and they keep wanting more. You know, it's not coming back now, but uh, they kept, they kept bringing it back and bringing it back. So anyway, it's, that's a fun ride show to watch and I may I sat through that twice because I sat through it myself I did the like Game of Thrones I sat through Ray Donovan on my own and then I had the opportunity I made I made my father-in-law watch it with me so that I got to watch it again I got to enjoy it watching with someone who hadn't seen it and I got to catch you know some of the 
idiosyncrasies inside the other uh, episodes. So if you haven't had a chance to see Ray Donovan, man, I've just given you two tremendous shows that if you have not seen them, Ozark and Ray Donovan, wow, that's you're welcome. You are welcome. I mean, a couple other shows longer. You know, I'm in the giving mood now. A couple other shows to binge. Uh, the Kaminsky Method on Netflix. What a fun ride with Michael Douglas and uh, Alan Arkin. Really fun ride. There's three seasons. That's it. You can binge those shows really good. And they're short. Most of those are, uh, you know, 30 to 40 minute episodes. So those are fun. Great show. Really, really a lot of fun. And Yellowstone. Uh, we don't know when season uh, four is going to drop on Paramount. I mean, that's the network that uh, does Yellowstone. It's uh, with Kevin Costner. Great. The first three seasons have been really fun. We're waiting for season four to drop on that. And uh, originally they had said that it was going to be the month of June. And if you're listening live today, it is the 8th of June 2021. And there's been no trailer, no release date announced. So now, you know, everybody's kind of guessing that it's pushed way back and we're not going to get it because before the seasons have dropped in June. So hello, Paramount. We're waiting for you. Kevin Costner. I know we've seen some pictures. You guys are out there doing the deal for Yellowstone. So let's bring it. Let's bring it, my friend. So anyway, I mean, I've given you Ozark. I've given you Ray Donovan. I've given you uh, the Kaminsky Method, and I've given you Yellowstone. Those are four shows that are well worth watching and binging and will make your life (laughs) that much better. Thank you to Chewing the Fat. And again, you're welcome. apparently there is new information showing that inside millions of Amazon Echo smart speakers and ring security cameras, they have the ability to make a new kind of wireless network called Sidewalk. And that is nice of Amazon to have that available. And apparently it shares a slice of your home internet connection with your neighbor's devices. And who doesn't want that, right? (laughs) Uh, They're telling you maybe you go into settings and turn the whole sidewalk off. Uh, Devices dating back to 2018. uh, Amazon built into the Amazon devices sidewalk. And it uh, apparently is secure enough to be activated in a lot of homes. And we are, you know, they're hoping that Amazon is going to uh, have you opt in before activating the capability. I would venture to say that I think we're going to find out, well, we've already activated some. We wanted to make sure that it was okay. But we don't know that yet. Uh, apparently it's going to blanket urban and suburban America with low bandwidth wireless network that can stretch half a mile and reach places and things that were once too hard or expensive to connect to. So it's not too hard or expensive. If I have it, um, I don't know that I like this, especially if it's, you know, it's not something that I can, it's already on, it's already there. So. 
So I guess maybe it's probably there maybe for trackers and maybe Amazon drones. Maybe that's what they'll use as their excuse that if you're going to start giving drone deliveries, you need to activate your sidewalk uh, app. It's, I mean, it's not really an app. It's a setting built into your device so that once you activate the sidewalk, you're able to get deliveries from drones. I bet you that's what it is. So that they're able to know that they're coming into the right neighborhood. They have the address. They come into the right neighborhood. And you have your sidewalk on. And they're able to know exactly which house your package goes to. Wow. But to have that all throughout the neighborhood and share each neighbor with each neighbor. That's nice of Amazon to let you know. Isn't it? I know it is. I know it is. I agree. 100%. And, you know, speaking of big tech, I see where the Google Fortnite case is now gone, is now done. Uh, and they were saying that they, I don't know when we find out what happened with that lawsuit. Because remember, Fortnite was uh, saying, hey, Apple, uh, you're making way too much money off of us. And we want a cut of that. I mean, Apple has admitted that they've paid over $230 billion to developers since 2008 uh, from the App Store. But Fortnite and, you know, maker of Epic Games, they accused Apple of the uh, monopolistic practices for the 30% cut it takes in the app purchases. And uh, if Apple loses that, ooh, that's big money. That is big money. So we'll see if they've actually paid $230 billion, just for a moment, take a thought of what they've made. <laughs> I mean, if they've paid, they're admitting to paying out $230 billion, uh, they're not doing that for free. All right? Wow. Just incredible. NBC has said that it will broadcast uh, more than 7,000 hours of Olympic contest uh, across NBC, USA, Peacock, and, you know, all the other media properties this summer. So, uh, maybe it's still happening. I still say the Olympics is not going to happen. It's going to be called off. No way they let that happen in Japan. But, what do I know, right? What do I know? One more uh, big tech story. France has fined Google $268 million for abusing its dominant position in the digital advertising industry. $268 million? Uh, it doesn't sound like that much. I feel like a country should be would be asking for a lot more from Google. I feel like Google writes that check. All right, here's $268 million. Leave us alone. You know what I mean? I just kind of feel like that's... That's what Google does. And France. Oh, speaking of France, did you? I just saw the video of Macron out greeting and meeting the people. And this guy slaps him right in the face. It's incredible. Right there. Slaps him right in the face. And for those of you watching live, which, you know, I know you're not. But uh, the video, I'm going to play the video for you. He walks up and you can hear the guy talking to him and slaps him right in in the face. Oh, there it is. He slaps him. Oh, oh. And I mean, they pull him away and they arrest, they arrest a couple of people. I don't know why you'd arrest two. It was only one guy. 
that slapped the president right in the face. Oh, man. Uh, hello. Uh, I don't know that you uh, survived that, man. But uh, he slaps the macaroni right in the face. And it shows where a little while later they pulled him away. He comes back to that crowd. But he doesn't really come back. I mean, he comes back that crowd to prove that he came back to that crowd. But he is at least, you know, he's an arm's distance away now. Uh, giving people a couple of handshakes and the security is pulling him away. I mean, do you slap the president in the face? No. <laughs> no is uh, what the, the answer to that question is. No matter what world leader. I mean, some countries, you're just automatically dead there, right? I mean, have a nice day. Man, I'm not sure why the guy slapped him. I mean, uh, maybe he slapped him for keeping the country on lockdown for so long. I don't know. Because Macron's making his tour saying life is going to resume in all our territories. He's he's opening up France again. So restaurants and bars and everything are going to be able to reopen to indoor customers after seven months. So maybe, maybe the guy was a little pissed that uh, we had a lockdown. So you could well imagine, you know, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to slap you in the face, Mr. President. I see where one of the far-right leaders, uh, Marina Le Pen, posted her own condemnation, saying, wow, democratic debate can be bitter. It can never tolerate physical violence. I know, and we're calling a little slap in the face physical violence, but well, that's what it is, Jeff. It's physical violence. He slapped him in the face. Yeah, I know. I know, but... Really? <laughs>